Blog Talk Radio. Just hang out, have a couple of drinks, eat some food, 
And it's all for a good cause. Again, that's May 31st, Peppermill South, Congress, New York. Be sure to come on down. Let's get this party started tonight. Cause, as always, my tag team partner on the line, Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful, Ken. Ready to talk some wrestling. Let's do it. You know, it's been an amazing week in professional wrestling. So much to talk about. Going through the rundown, trying to figure out how do we prioritize? How do we figure out exactly what to talk about? We got Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Trashing Triple H's office out in Stanford. Ace and Ace running amok. Kicking out their vice president. We got the return of Abyss. Comes down. Where's Abyss's alliances lie? What is he going to do? Where is the monster going to wreak havoc? We have the NWA. Questions, questions, questions. What's going on with the NWA? Where does NWA on fire stand? Mark Henry kicking ass, taking names, dragging trucks. Ryback. Feed me more. John Cena, what is the status of his Achilles heel? What does it mean for Extreme Rules? And more all, what does it mean with Dolph Ziggler? Concussion, the world champion, triple threat match at Extreme Rules. What does it all mean? And the one question, the one thought on everybody's mind, the one thing that everybody wants to know in the world of professional wrestling was, did Josh Matthews just turn heel? Yeah, wow. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, did you catch that, though, on SmackDown? If you missed it, I think Josh Heel, Josh Heel, Josh Matthews actually perhaps maybe turned heel, which prompted me to think that, like, if Josh Matthews turns heel and, and nobody cares, did it really happen? Um, I don't know. But it was, it was a jam-packed week, and... uh it was odd, man. It was odd watching kind of Josh Matthews uh, go after Michael Cole a little bit. Michael Cole, you know, has done the heel announcer thing. Uh, I don't know. It was just kind of an odd little thing. But let's, in all seriousness, let's get into the real meat and potatoes of this week in professional wrestling. Uh, first off, just briefly, I know there's a lot of speculation out there, and the NWA is in a state of flux, and who knows what they're doing in the front office of the NWA. Who knows if they know what they're doing uh, over there at the NWA. Um, as far as NWA on fire goes, there's a lot of speculation that uh, we will not be affiliated with the NWA anymore. and We're just going to be the wrestling on fire. Um, look, I'm going to tell you, I'm part of the company. I know the writing's on the wall. I mean, I see it. I'm not an idiot. Um, I know what probably is coming down the pike, but I'm going to tell you from the horse's mouth, from the offices of NWA on fire, that as of this moment, nothing is official. Uh, regardless of what you've, you've read online, nothing is absolutely official just yet. And uh, I am looking into it, and I will keep you all posted. And when I am told exactly where the NWA on fire is, in regards to the NWA, I will be sure to bring it to this forum and let you all know. So that's where the NWA on fire is at this moment. I know a lot of people have been asking me on Facebook, so that's that's where we're at. Um, as far as the, the wonderful world of professional wrestling, the global world of professional wrestling, I think the biggest story uh, coming out of this week, uh, 
Especially, you know, this guy's finally getting his big push, finally cashes in, wins the world championship. We're looking forward, onward and upward, as far as where the career of one Dolph Ziggler is going to go. And then what appears to be a very serious concussion uh, suffered by Dolph Ziggler. Uh, Dave, what are some of the things you're hearing about the uh, medical condition of one Dolph Ziggler? Well, um, I didn't really, you know... I caught a little bit of SmackDown, and I, I I know I should have watched more of it. Otherwise, you know, I did you know have something to talk about here. But I did catch you know the the segment with Ziggler, and it looked like he was kicked in the head by Jack Swagger. It didn't really look, um, I wouldn't say didn't look real, but it didn't look like it did any serious damage from a from a television viewer standpoint. Um, from what I understand, and I made mention of this, Figure Four Wrestling Online um, posted uh, an interview that. Uh, you know, Dolph Ziggler did with WWE.com. He's been diagnosed with retrograde amnesia, where he doesn't remember a couple of days. The last thing he remembered was um, AJ and Biggie Langston uh, driving him to the airport Wednesday morning um, when he went back home to watch Raw. Um, he didn't even remember that he was a part of Raw uh, Monday night. And um, he said the only thing that uh, AJ told him was that Swagger kicked him in the head, and that's pretty much where they think the concussion which was the beginning stages of the concussion that's what that's what took place um you know there's a lot of you know scenarios have been going around online if he's going to compete um, a lot of people you know the minute everyone heard concussion message boards you know in the wrestling world said oh he's got to drop the title and it sucks and you know here's a scenario they can go with this they can go with that you know that was before he was diagnosed with retrograde amnesia now there's a possibility, from what I've heard, that the WWE is looking into other options if he is not clear to compete at Extreme Rules in a ladder match, no less, uh, which is a very dangerous match to compete in. Um, you know, it takes a toll on your body, and, you know, you do take quite a few bumps, whether you're on top of the ladder or you get hit with the ladder. Um, so I'm hearing that he's supposed to have a CAT scan, I want to say, tomorrow, maybe Tuesday. Um to, to to get a final uh, determination on what the status would be for him uh, for next Sunday's Extreme Rules pay per view, but um, you know a lot of people a lot of people say oh it's not really a serious concussion well any concussion is serious, I mean Bret Hart was kicked in the head by Goldberg um, in 1999 and you know nobody you know nobody thought he didn't even know he had a concussion um, at that point. And then he continued to wrestle for a few weeks after that, and then that turned out being the end of his in-ring wrestling career was because of that kick, um, because it wasn't treated properly. So, um, you know, the wrestling fan in me, being a Dolph Ziggler fan, I, you know, I, I hope that you know he can come back and compete and entertain. But as a human being, at the same time, you know, you want the you want the guy to be healthy and not have to live the rest of his life, you know, with with constant headaches and migraines and you know sometimes concussions can uh cause you know vision impairment and you know your equilibrium could be off um so i mean it's it's it, it's really a, a touch and go situation at this point with with him um you know as far as as far as i've read from what i could tell i mean look it's if you're going to go into memory loss uh it's serious uh, losing days uh, is is never a good thing. Uh, you know, I remember reading stories of Chris Norwitzki when he, uh, you know, towards the end of his wrestling career, like he was he was missing like like that, like he was missing big chunks of time. Um, 
you know, because of a, a series of concussions that he had over the course of his career. So, um, you know, and we don't know the nature of the business, uh, professional wrestling. We don't know how many concussions Ziggler's perhaps had in the past. And, and is this, uh, you know, hurting an already existing condition? Um, you're right. You want to, you don't want to see anyone get hurt. And it's almost like worst case scenario for him as far as going into extreme rules because, you know, maybe he can muddle his way through, uh, a different kind of match. A ladder match is a high impact match and, uh, you know, it's got to be tough if he's feeling the, the after effects of a concussion, both just getting through it and for his own health and safety. And for the health and safety of everyone else in the match. I mean, if your your judgment's a little bit clouded, I don't know if I'd want to be stepping in the ring. You know, Ziggler aside, if I'm Del Rio or Swagger, do I want to step in the ring with someone who's who might not be completely there? Uh, it's a shame the timing of this for Adolf Ziggler. Uh, we hope he's, you know, that this is just a, you know, not the most serious of concussions, and uh, perhaps he can he can come back, uh, you know, with, with some rest, and he'll be ready to go next week for Extreme Rules. But, um, you know, it's funny with Ziggler because he's almost a victim of being as, as good a seller as he is. Because I agree with you, Dave. I didn't – if I didn't know before I watched SmackDown that he uh, he suffered a concussion and where he suffered it, I may not have realized that he he got it there. Uh, it didn't look like it was anything too bad, and especially because Ziggler can sell the hell out of anything that uh, you know he makes everything just look violent and, and hurtful. So as a, uh, I I didn't catch that either with the uh, the uh, kick, but uh, it's interesting because if they do run into this, uh, it's it's a bad point in Ziggler's career. Uh, but where do they go? And that's the big question. Where do they go if they have to pull Ziggler out of this match? I mean, do they, they vacate the title and it's a one-on-one matchup? Uh, do they, they do something where they just have Ziggler get knocked out and he spends like half the match outside the ring and he just has to climb up at the end? Um, you know, what do they do? I mean, it's something that... Like for me, as a fan and watching it, I've loved what they've been doing with this storyline. I've really, I think it's engaging TV. I, I the three factions uh, that have been going at it, I think they've done a great job. I think they've done uh, tremendous work with each other. It, it's like they alternate who's going to look strong uh, this night. Um, you have two heels in this matchup, but they don't like each other. Uh, I just think it's been very entertaining what these three factions have done with each other leading up to this match. I also think that as far as, you know, we can debate back and forth, whatever, in my opinion, I don't think it's been a, quote, strong title run thus far for Ziggler. It's been brief, and I'm not willing to judge the booking or everything else with, with Ziggler yet. But I will say it's not like he's been a world beater since winning the world title. I thought with the warring between these three factions that Extreme Rules was going to be Ziggler's moment. That Ziggler was going to look strong. Ziggler was going to look deserved of this title. And Ziggler was going to come out on top vanquishing these two strong foes. And that was going to be a big moment, probably the biggest moment since winning the title. So the timing of this injury is awful 
uh, if it winds up being something serious that they have to scramble for uh, either a different finish or a different matchup. So, you know, where do they go? Uh, where do they go with, with Ziggler? If, in fact, I'm right with, with my thoughts, and this was Ziggler's moment to look strong, the big question is, where do you go with this matchup? And, and I mean, your thoughts, Dave. What, what do they do if Ziggler just either can't go at all or can only go in a in a limited fashion? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of different possibilities. You mentioned earlier that, you know, you, how you like the dynamic of these three different groups and factions. Well, you know, if you wanted to keep the same advertised match, I mean, you could do a spot where Ziggler gets knocked out and he's out of the match, but you've got the other elements of, of these groups involved. You can get Big E involved. You know, Coulter can jump in from time to time, or Ricardo Rodriguez. You know, but Del Rio and Swagger are doing the bulk of the work, but these other guys are hiding the, the you know, the, 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 the Coulters and the, you know, Big E's and, you know, Ricardo. These guys are hiding the, you know, the, the fact that Ziggler is kind of out of the match, so to speak. And then you could do the, you know, he sneaks up the ladder and grabs the title and, you know, you know, gets the sneaky victory. There's, there's, there's a ton of different ways you can take. You know, you could just do a straight up one on one with Del Rio and Swagger and have it be for the vacant title, or you can have them make them, you know, in a number one contenders ladder match and let Ziggler recover, not strip him of the title, and then the winner faces Ziggler at the next pay per view, which I believe is Payback in June. Um, an idea that I thought of that kind of coincides with another storyline that's been taking place, particularly on SmackDown. We really haven't seen a whole lot of Booker T since WrestleMania, um, or, and uh, Teddy Long and Booker T have really been, you know, showing the the clash between the two of them as far as decision making goes. And I was thinking of an idea where the rumor is is that they want to turn Teddy Long as a heel, and eventually he would oust Booker T out as the general manager and make him the heel general manager, and kind of give some life back to this Teddy Long character. He's been a babyface as an authority figure virtually the whole time he's been an authority figure on WWE television, whether it be Raw or SmackDown or one of them other 35 shows they got going on. But you could take Teddy Long, for instance, and he would allow Biggie Langston to replace Dolph Ziggler and on behalf of Dolph Ziggler, defend the World Heavyweight Championship in the ladder match. And if Big E retains the title, then or wins the title for Ziggler, Ziggler still retains as the champion. And maybe, just maybe, because we've kind of been seeing a little bit of, of tension between Ziggler and Big E as of late, just little subtle hints, you could set something up down the road where eventually Big E, you know, and Ziggler, their tension keeps building and building, and eventually Big E breaks away and becomes a baby face. And, you know, he could go on the notion, well, you know, I've always had your back. I bailed your ass out of so many situations. For instance, I replaced you in the World Heavyweight title ladder match, your first title defense, and, you know, kept you the title. And what did I get for it? I didn't get anything. You know, you could go on that. Um I mean, there's a lot of different possibilities you can take this this storyline with Dolph Ziggler, or you could just go with the obvious and not have him wrestle. I mean, this wouldn't be the first time, you know, if that, if they were to go with that idea, this wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened. If you remember back in 2006, Booker T and Chris Benoit had a best-of-seven series over the United States Championship, and I believe it was the last 
two matches, or maybe it was just the last match, but Booker T was injured, and he was unable to defend the United States title. And I forget how they did it, but somehow Randy Orton replaced Booker T and beat Benoit in the best of seven series, and Booker T still retained the United States championship. The logic may not be there, but it's been done before. So, like I said, there's a lot of different possibilities you can go with this. Um, I think regardless of wherever they go, I think it's still going to be interesting because of the dynamic, like you mentioned, of the three factions. And I, I, I hope and pray to God that, you know, everything's okay with him and, you know, he's cleared to compete. If he can't and he's got to rest for a little while, then they have some options to make this story still interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, I, the timing of this. So I, I, I really, you know, it's, it's, I mean, my heart goes out to Ziggler, you know, finally getting uh, the the world championship, uh, you know. You know, I mean, when you read some of the interviews with Ziggler, uh, you know, not on WWE television, you know, the quote-unquote shoot interviews, um, you know, you could tell he was frustrated, not happy, you know, wanting to do more, wants, uh, you know, more substantial storylines, and now he's... He's in the thick of it, and you know, and he's got the world title. Uh, you know, I get it; the world title is a secondary title in the WWE right now, but it's still, it's it's second. You know, it's a good place to be uh, in that company, and uh, for this injury to happen at, at this point in time, um, you know, you, you kind of you got to feel for the guy. You know, just trying to get his career like in the fast lane, and he winds up getting this. Uh, concussion right here i mean you know i'm curious dave i mean do do you think that they you know coming out of extreme rules and thinking about creative and and what direction creative uh may have been going with with this storyline i mean do you see like this extreme rules perhaps being the the blow-off match with these three fashions and then going in different directions i mean because again i have found this to be very good tv um probably consistently with these factions interacting, uh, some of the best of arguably the best stuff on WWE programming uh, as of late. I just found it really in- engaging, um, you know, between the, the three factions, especially because there's been a lot of give and take. I know a lot of people jump and say, you know, the Shield has been the best thing on WWE programming. But for the most part, I mean, I like the Shield and I like what they're bringing to the table, but... I kind of know what's going to happen when the shield comes down. It's it's pretty predictable what they're going to do. I mean, again, I like them. Think they're talented. Um, I've kind of liked the unpredictability and uh, the 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 hatred and the violence and just everything surrounding the storyline. And you know, who knows where it's going to go? And then all of a sudden, we got Rodriguez and Zeb Coulter in a match. Um, you know, it's been tremendous. So it's you know. Seriously impacted fantasy wrestling one week. Those two guys opening Raw in a match. Uh, so, you know, realfantasywrestling.com. you got to go check that out. But, uh, you know, the, I think this storyline has probably impacted, you know, fantasy wrestling a lot, depending on what direction they're going in in a given night. Uh, do you think it's something, Dave, that they, they would look to continue the war between these three factions or – you know, could this have been the blow-off match? And again, they got to go back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, write something else up. I think this eventually would have been the blow-off match to a certain degree. I think, um, if you remember, Del Rio and Swagger had basically been feuding, in a, you know, to 
against each other since February, since Swagger won the Elimination Chamber for the right to face Del Rio at WrestleMania, which was a big story in itself because nobody saw that coming. And like I said before, I don't care who you are, nobody saw that coming. But um, I think what probably would have happened was, that, you know, just my gut feeling is that Ziggler probably would, you know, the, the plan probably would have been Ziggler was going to retain the title. And then Swagger and Coulter would move on to something else. And maybe he would stay with Del Rio because it was Del Rio he originally cashed in on. And you could have that clear-cut one-on-one rematch because Del Rio hasn't had a clear-cut one-on-one rematch with Dolph Ziggler um, for the World Heavyweight title to, to get his title shot back. So I think that that would probably have been the plan after Extreme Rules where Del Rio and Ziggler were to were to face each other uh, one-on-one and maybe you would see, you know, some tag matches between Ziggler and Langston versus Del Rio and Ricardo or even throwing AJ in the mix because they've been known to do some wacky things. But I think it would have been the big blow-off between all three of them, but Ziggler and Del Rio probably still would have had some interaction with each other, probably leading to another match at the next pay-per-view and then both of them would move on to something completely different. Let me ask you, like, gun to your head, you're you're part of creative, and Ziggler can't go next week. What do you do? Well, I wouldn't strip him of the title. That's the first thing. And the reason why I say that is, number one, when Punk was injured earlier in the year, he was out for a month, and he was on crutches every every week on TV, and they didn't strip him of the title. Granted, the reason why they didn't strip him of the title is because they were hyping up him and The Rock for the Royal Rumble so he could drop the title to The Rock. But I would keep the title on him, and personally, I would. I think it would be more interesting – with the, with my, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but with the idea of having Biggie Langston replace him, and you have something that you could fall back on later down the line. You, you know, if 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 it's something that the audience could catch on to, you know, it's just a little seed that's planted. Not necessarily go full throttle with it, but it could be something that they could use if they're in a pinch. You know, with, with maybe a Ziggler Biggie feud somehow. You know, um, to to kind of give Biggie Langston a little bit of a rub and make him seem more important than just some, you know, bodyguard role that he has. But that's the idea I would go with, you know, have and it would be a and in my opinion it would be like an ultimate heel move to have Ziggler, you know, they could cover up the concussion and say, you know, he didn't feel like wrestling or, or they, they could even bring the concussion up and say that, you know, I'm going to have Biggie replace, you know, me in the ladder match and defend my title for me. But if, if he wins, I'm still the champion. You know, I mean, that could draw a lot of heat with people and people could, you know, be upset about it and have more anger towards Ziggler and draw more heat on him. And, you know, he could, it could help his heel status. I think that would, I think that would be a, a smart move, you know, so he doesn't get injured again in a, in a potential dangerous match like a ladder match. And, you know, it would be a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I think I think that's a good idea. I mean, I'm sitting there racking my brain. I, I really don't know where I'd go with it. It's just, uh, you know, the it's weird. I mean, the easy thing and the obvious thing is to strip him of the title and vacate it. And then it's, you know, the last two contenders one-on-one in a ladder match. Um, I agree with you. I, I don't want to see Ziggler be stripped of it, and it is a kind of an ultimate uh, kind of jerk move. And and you know, if they bring the concussion into the storyline, I mean, Swagger's the one who gave it to him. So one of the guys in the match gave him the concussion. 
uh, you know, they could have something where uh, there's there is a ruling where, yeah, sure, Biggie will be your your representative. Um, I, yeah, I think that would be cool. It'd be something different. Uh, you know, to me, if, if Ziggler can't go fully but can go a little bit, you do the whole, you know, he gets some reason he gets knocked out early on in the match and uh, runs out and, uh, you know, runs up the ladder and wins the title so it really doesn't take a significant amount of bumps, um, which, again, could be a really great heel move. Um uh, well, I wonder if, like, I bet Big E is, is strong enough to do this. Uh, if they did something in the beginning of the match where Ziggler's just done, he's unconscious, and Big E comes in and cleans house and carries Ziggler up the ladder. That's an awesome idea. That would be cool. On top of the ladder, it's basically an unconscious Ziggler on Big E's shoulder with the title strap, you know, uh, laying across the two of them. That you know what that's. That, are you listening, Stanford? <laughs> I hope you are. Because obviously, I mean, to me, looking, at, I mean, I think they have at least. I don't want to say long, long terms, but decent long, long terms, uh, long term plans for uh, Ziggler. I, I, you know, to me, looking at, it, I think they they want him to hold this belt for a little while. So, uh, you know. Stripping him of it would, uh, you know, and, and who knows what that does for Ziggler's career going forward. But, yeah, I mean, if they could do something where, you know, again, you don't know the state of the concussion, but Ziggler's out and just have, I mean, it's a ladder match, so it's no DQ. They have Big E. Big E gains some heat, does some really some violent strength moves in the in the match. Uh, you know, a couple guys go up the ladder, whoever it is, whether it's Del Rio or Swagger, and, He's the guy in there pulling him down and toppling the ladder and all this other stuff. And then uh, then the announcers could sell it, you know, but what are they going to do? Ziggler's still, he's unconscious right here. He's Ziggler can't do anything. I mean, what's he going to do? And then you have Big E lift him up and carry him up the ladder. And that's that's how the match ends with, with uh, just them on top of the ladder with the title. Uh, if Ziggler can't go, I mean, that's the thing. If, if Ziggler can't go, because I... I want to see Ziggler in this match. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that makes for a cool moment, but I really want to see Ziggler in that match. So, uh, you know, who knows exactly where they're going to go with this? Who knows, uh, you know, what condition Ziggler's in? I guess it's just for both of us right here, uh, we're just hoping that Ziggler is okay and whether he's able to go at Extreme Rules or not. Um, you know, as far as us brainstorming here and coming up with entertain, entertaining options, at least what we think is entertaining, uh, ultimately we hope that Ziggler can go, wrestles a great match, and, uh, you know, we're all just looking back on this and being like, hey, remember when Ziggler had the concussion? Glad he's, he's okay right now. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. You guys, got a bunch of you guys. Thanks for supporting us tonight. We got a lot to talk about tonight, but... First off, we got On Fire Sensation, Indie Sensation. Ricky Reyes is on the line with us. Ricky, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you doing tonight? Thank you for spending a couple minutes with us. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. So I'd like to ask, you know, I, I've always been, you know, I really enjoy watching your matches. And uh, uh, it's interesting to, to watch your style because you have a, you're, you're size-wise, you're more of a cruiserweight. 
and you're very quick in the ring, but at the same time, you're very powerful and you're very hard hitting, and uh, you do bring an intensity and a you know a, a violence to your, to your matches. Uh, I, I think you you have a, a great amalgam of you know both those styles. Could you give us a little bit of a uh, your influences and, and how you developed your style in the ring? Uh, yeah, well, trained uh, all over the world. Like I lived in Japan and trained in the dojos there, and and, uh, and in Santa Monica, I trained in New Japan Dojo, and uh, I also trained in CMLL uh, in their gyms where I lived in Mexico City for a while, and uh, you know I just kind of like you know those are kind of two opposite styles of professional wrestling and I just uh I took what I liked from everything and just kind of meshed it all together to make my own style like um obviously I was uh, influenced by like the Dynamite Kid and Chris Benoit and Eddie Guerrero um you know when I when I started really getting going and really deep into pro wrestling and early in my career so uh I I just I've traveled all over the world wrestling in Puerto Rico and Canada and Mexico and Europe and stuff. So, um, you know, I just I just kind of put what I like and what I seem to think that the wrestlers enjoy the most uh, all together. You know, I, I don't really think of like what style I'm going to do that night or whatever. I just kind of uh, the fun thing about professional wrestling is you know it, it's uh, it's one of those jobs where not every night's the same, you know, so it's always like a challenge to me. I just try to make it as exciting as possible. I always, always, uh, you know, like a lot of guys try to go out there and steal the show and, and have the best match of the night and, and, uh, and perform at, at a top level. So that's kind of how I put everything together. I just kind of mixed from places all over the world. You know, it's one thing for guys to say, yeah, I've, I've been to Mexico and, you know, and I have gone there and, and wrestled there and then left immediately. You know, um, the the thing about me is I, I've i gone there and I've lived there and I've trained there, you know, and I've trained in Mexico. I trained under Negro Casas and Shocker and uh, Vampiro, you know, and those guys. Um, and I was in Japan. You know, I trained with uh, Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask. And, when, and in L.A., I ended up training uh, under Antonio Inoki, so... You know, I trained under like legends and stuff. You know, so that's uh, that's kind of how it how it uh, kind of all evolved. That's that's quite a list of of people that you've trained under. Uh, you know, where did it start? I, Antonio Inoki. I mean, a, a legend. Uh, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you, you you have to know Antonio Inoki. What was it like training with him? Uh, it was uh, needless to say, it was extremely intimidating. Uh. The, especially the first first few times, because like he opened up, or you know, when he was part owner of New Japan, he he's the one that wanted the dojo to open up. So he opened up uh, the dojo in Santa Monica, where he was living at the time, and uh, he just wanted basically a place to to train and kind of oversee his fighters and stuff like Fujita and and Justin McCauley and Don Fry and all those guys and would come through the gym and and train and stuff and, uh, you know, place for him to hold like, uh, you know, like press conference type stuff and things like that. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was an exciting and, you know, extremely rewarding experience, needless to say, 
uh, at first you just kind of, you know, you're so intimidated, you know, by him. Uh, you don't really know what to do. So, you know, you just start rolling around, and he actually, like, rolled around and wrestled with me and stuff. And, you know, then we would, you know, stop, and he would break everything down on, on what his theory is of professional wrestling, you know, like why he does certain things and and what what uh what he recommend you know a person like myself to do and and why you know um like i i train a school in new york and in, in long island uh victory pro wrestling school and uh my biggest my biggest thing is uh you know i may be the head trainer there technically but you know we all we all learn together you know but but i always tell the guys look you know i'm going to teach you this and and i teach you this way and I, and i give you an explanation for it you know, like like why I'm telling you to do it this way. If you have a better theory or no or no better way to do it, then by all means, you know, you know I, I learn as well. You know, so with Inoki, it was it was it was always that. You know, he would say do it this way. You know, and he would explain why you would do it that way. You know, and it always made sense to me. You know, he would never tell me anything that uh, that he didn't already do or have done, you know, and knows that that it works, you know, and I mean, you know, needless to say, you know, he's, uh, he's one of the greatest of all time. So, uh, you know, we would sit down and, and as a group kind of watch his matches and, and he would explain to us what happened in the matches and, you know, break, break down, you know, why and how and, and what he did to create that and what he liked about things and what he didn't like about things. And it was, I mean, <laughs> I was just, you know, fortunate enough to be there. And, you know, a lot of guys had an opportunity to be there, but no one wanted to stick it out and, 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 and pay their dues to that gym, you know. And it was, it was a tough upbringing there. You know, we were, we were trained very old school, Japanese traditional style, you know, 500 squats a day, you know, 300 push-ups. You know, we had jiu-jitsu training. We had kickboxing training. We had boxing training. We had Greco-Roman wrestling training. You know, and then on like Tuesdays and Thursday nights, we would just bump around in the ring and stuff. But Monday through Friday, we trained basically mixed martial arts back in 2001, 2002 to like 2005, I think I stayed there till. That's that's amazing. Um, you know, Brian, I you know I've seen you wrestle a few times, and you are one of those performers that uh, I, I don't know. If it's possible for you to have a bad match, I mean, you always bring it. Uh, I've always found, uh, you know, the matches I've seen to be uh, very entertaining, and I've always enjoyed your style. Um, you've been in the ring with with different people with different styles. You've been in ROH. Um, is there any one one guy you've been in the ring with that you just know it, it's going to be magic, or is you just try and just mesh styles on a given night? Just is there one guy that you just you know, if that night we're in the ring, we're going to tear the house down. Uh, I mean, I, with my style, uh, I I kind of do that with, with everybody that I, I wrestle with, you know, because um, I don't need to, uh, I don't want to say too much, but I, I don't need to, you know, develop or plan out too much, you know, to have a good match. Um, there, there, there are a couple of guys that I've, I've clicked very well with, uh, Roderick Strong is one guy that him and I, uh, have wrestled a ton of times and it's just like, you know, 
it's just one of those things where you just feel like this is going to be too easy, you know. So uh, that I've only wrestled AJ Styles once, and it was uh, it was a three way match. And I remember the other guy that was in the match with us was a little bit lost at times. And uh, every time I got in there with AJ, seemed to have been getting frustrated where. You know, he, his stuff wasn't coming off as, as sharp as it should have. So uh, I ended up uh, doing a lot of stuff with it, wrestling a lot with AJ in that match. And he came to me afterwards and was like, hey, man, thanks. You know, that was uh, felt really good in there, you know. And I was like, yeah, it did. You know, I just think guys like that are the easiest to wrestle because they're like top-level guys. So, um, you know, I don't have to worry about them. They don't have to worry about me. So you just kind of go out there and you just lose yourself in the moment, you know, and just have fun, and that's when it's that's when it's the best. I, I know some guys, you know, they say, oh, I'm going to wrestle, uh, you know, low-key or, or homicide or somebody. I'm so nervous, and I'm like, man, those, you know, every time I wrestle those guys, man, it's like, you know, you should have just mailed me the money because it's just a night off, you know. Like, it's just it's too easy. You know, I wrestled, I wrestled low-key in, in Pittsburgh one time for like 35, 40 minutes, and, uh, you know, it didn't even feel that long. You know, we were just going, you know, and it was just like, you know, wasn't much talked about. We just kind of went out and did our thing, and it's so easy to wrestle those top guys like that because, it, you know, you don't have to worry about them. You know, it's the guys that, you know, you're in the locker room with, and they're, like, pacing back and forth, and they're like, oh, man, I'm nervous, and blah, 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 and I'm like, oh, God, you know, this guy's going to, you know, he's going to go out there and draw a blank or get that first hit and be like, oh, I'm on cloud nine, I don't know where I'm at, you know. And and then I have to think for him, I have to think for me, I have to think for the ref, I have to, you know, I have to make sure everyone's, you know, coming out of this looking good, you know. So, I mean, uh, it's a short list of guys that are like that. They would all be like top, top name wrestlers, you know. Uh, I mean, my style-wise, though, I think I fit well with, like, Roderick uh, is probably the easiest to say maybe like Jay Lethal, uh, those guys I've had matches with where it just it feels effortlessly to be out there with them. You know, Alex Shelley is another guy. Um, just easy, you know. It's just so easy. You know, I'm curious, like, your thoughts on, on you know, today on Facebook you, you had posted uh, something calling out Bruce Tharp and looking uh, to go after Chase Owens. Um how how far can Ricky Reyes go in this business? Uh, you're calling out uh, Chase Owens, but how how far can you go in this business? Yeah, I mean, you can go as far as you you want to go. I mean, I've I've done a lot, and I look to do a lot more. You know, um, it's just one of those things where, you know, I'm just I I just kind of look for challenges. You know, and it seems like uh, with the NWA. You know, uh, you know they claim that they they want to be the best and and have the best talent and this that and the other. But you know, when I look at their their you know their top champions, you know, with, I mean, you know, like Chase Owens is is a good a good wrestler. I think you know, uh, you know, world class uh, maybe not. You know, I don't think so. I just think that if the NWA is really looking to be serious about putting their brand on the map as a major player, uh, you know, they need to up 
you know, up the talent level a little bit, to be honest with you, you know, and that that's nothing to do with the other guys. Like, you know, I think they've made some pretty solid moves as far as, uh, as far as like their new world champion and their new North American champion, I think are, are great. But, you know, as far as like the national champion and, and, you know, and the, uh, the junior champions and, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I just think that they're lacking, they're, they're, they're lacking that, uh, you know, they're they're hoping that the championships make some of their guys instead of it being the other way around, you know. You put your belts on uh, guys that have some credibility and are going to make some buzz and, and get that, that, you know, can make that championship legit again, you know. I mean, not to say that these guys don't work hard. It's just, uh, you know, you know, who 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 are these guys? If you take these titles away from them, what have they done, and and what do they bring to the table? You, you know, so I mean, I just I just feel that if they, if they're serious, then let's be serious. You know, give give me a shot, give me a run with it, and and uh, you know, let me better, let me help better the company. You know, it's not for my own personal, you know, uh, you know, it kind of is, but at the same sense, it's because I feel that I can. I can do good for the company, you know. I think that, uh, and if you talk to anybody in the wrestling business that knows me, knows that uh, that would be a good, you know, what would their argument against it be? You know, oh, this guy goes out and has great matches every night, you know, has credibility within the business, is internationally known. Uh, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, put a championship on me like that, you know? And uh, let me get it out there and, and make it mean something, you know, make it mean something more than what it means now. You know, instead of being stuck in one small little area, you know, get it out there. You know, let international promoters say, hey, you know, we're going to use, hey, this guy, you know, brings brings this title. Yeah, let's, you know, let's let's use it. Let's let's do it. You know, so I just, uh, you know, I just feel that, you know, talk is talk, and you know, if you're if you're looking to be serious, you know, put your money where your mouth is. You know. I mean, being involved in the NWA, are, are you optimistic that you'll get your shot? Um, I don't know. You know, I really don't know. I mean, you know, you talk to one person and they tell you talk to another person and then the other person doesn't want to return calls or emails and, you know, they just want to stick stick with their own little small click that they have, you know. And uh, it just seems uh, a little frustrating, you know. Um, but I guess that's why they're in the position that they're in. So, you know, I mean, when, when someone decides to open up their eyes and start spreading, spreading it around and giving, giving guys that deserve it shots, you know, to help make something of their company and their championships, then, uh, then I guess they'll find out then. But until then, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, I've been campaigning you know, for this for a while now, you know, and I'm just kind of getting frustrated to the point to where I don't get why they wouldn't give me a chance, you know, or a guy like me a chance, not, maybe not even me, you know, like, like what about other guys, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's a ton of guys out there that, that could, uh, that, that could stir up some, some, some good buzz, you know, with that company and those championships, you know, why, why not them, you know? So I don't really know what the political ends of it is. I keep myself out of all political bullshit out of every company I go to. You know what I mean? I come in, I'm happy to be there. You know, I'm happy to, that 
that people pay me well to do my to do what I love to do, you know, and I'm just happy to be a part of any company, you know. But, you know, it gets it gets irritating when you see things constantly, you know, released about, you know, oh well we're this, we're you know, we're we're wrestling, you know, we're real wrestling and this and that and you're like, really? Because half the guys on your advertisements are like fat, tubby guys and guys in T shirts and plastic shorts and kick pads, you know, it looks like they're wrestling in some barn in Oklahoma somewhere. You know what I mean? Like just because you carry just because a banner's hanging over your ring apron, you know, that says, you know, professional wrestling doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they're really getting. You know what I mean? Like <sighs> I just I don't get it, you know. So, now here and and again, you know, as as a fan, um, you are on that short list of you know, if you're a wrestling fan, and you see Ricky Reyes on the card, go because he's not going to have a bad match. Uh, it's always an entertaining match, and you know, I'd like to see you get that shot at, as well on a national scale because uh, you know, again, always know that like you can bet on uh, whatever match you're in on the card uh, being a solid match. Uh, before I let you go, I just I have to tell you that you know, talking to Mario Savoldi, and I said you know you were going to come on and, and give us a few minutes, and uh, he uh, he just couldn't have he didn't have enough kind words for you. He's like, oh, I love that kid. That kid's great. He always comes, gives us good stuff, and you know is always professional and is here on time. And uh, I, what's it like uh, you know working for the Savoldis and and just the independent scene? What's it like you know working on the indie scene? Well, you know, again, like, I cannot stress enough. I absolutely, absolutely with all my heart love what I do. I mean, I really do, you know. And, uh, you know, like like Mario was saying, you know, I, I'm I'm there. I'm at the building 4 o'clock for 7.30, 8 o'clock bell time, you know. And I, I cannot be any more excited to get up and say, yes, you know, I get to go here today and wrestle, you know, and I just get so amped up, you know, every day, you know, I've been, I've been wrestling two, three times a week on average, you know, hit or miss, uh, since 1999, you know, I started training in the summer of 98, I was doing amateur wrestling in high school, you know, and stuff, and I just, I love it, you know, I, I absolutely love it, and, uh, you know, I, and that's I take it seriously. You know, I I don't I don't uh, look at oh man, you know, there's only you know 60 people out there. I don't really want to do much. You know, uh, I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? Uh, anyone in the locker room knows. Oh man, I got to wrestle Ricky Reyes. Um, you know, I better bring my A game because that's what I expect. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to settle for anything less. You know, I, I don't go somewhere and say, well, these guys are only paying me this much. And, you know, I just don't feel like doing this today. Hey, if I don't feel like wrestling today, guess what? I'm not going to bother showing up because I'm because nowadays on the independent scene, it's not how it was back in the territory days, you know, or the golden years or whatever, you know, where you have a contract or you're involved in a company where you're going to be consistently booked. You know, there's a million guys out there now, you know, some good, uh, mostly horrible, you know, and, and some some are, are top guys out there, you know. And, you know, if Ricky Reyes doesn't come and, and produce what Ricky Reyes is known for, we'll find somebody else at a cheaper rate that's willing to come in, maybe not do as good of a job, but will be passable. You know what I mean? And, and my 
contract, quote unquote, is my work. You know, is is you know, is my word. You know, it. You know what I mean. So for me, uh, working for the Savoldis, it, it, it's great. You know, I I love it. You know, I've been wanting to work for On Fire now for, I want to say, four four years, three years, something like that. You know, and it just seemed like it never worked out, and then finally, you know they got this thing down in Parsippany in New Jersey and you know it's been going well and they treat me well and you know I can't help but but just be just feel grateful for them you know giving me an opportunity to work on the canvas and you know be on the television you know it's just you know it's a blessing so you know I, I do I take that job serious like I take every other job you know I do serious you know and uh you know, it's a pleasure for me. It is. You know, I mean, I get the I get the events where you know you get the the other guys, the ten year guys that never been anywhere. You know, except in the tri state area, and they sit there and they, why do we do this, Ricky? Huh? I just look guys like that, and I'm like, well, why not? You know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here. You know, don't come here. You know, and you know the last NWA on fire show I did. You know, there's this idiot in the back, and he's just like, "Yeah, why do we do this? Yeah, I hate this." And I turned to that idiot, and I was like, "Then go home, because I got a school in New York with like seven or eight guys that that would be, you know, dying to be in your position right now. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that want to be here. You know, don't. That's not cool. You know, I didn't get that memo where I had to be." you know, the tired vet where I'm just like, er, I don't want to be here, ha, 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 you know, look at me, you know, everyone look at me, I'm complaining, you know what I mean? And then you got younger guys that, you know, they don't know no better, and they go up to these guys, oh, you see my match, and, you know, this this quote-unquote vet will, you know, bury them or, you know, rib them or whatever just to get over with the other guys, you know, and, I mean, that's not professional, you know what I mean? Guys come up to me all the time and ask, hey, man, you see my match? Yeah, I did, or no, I didn't, or, you know, next time I will, or, you know, what do you think about this? Oh, hey, you know, I can get into a, you know, 10-hour conversation about one particular phase of a, of a match. You know what I mean? If you want to break, sit, sit down and break it down, you know, give me your input and I'll give you mine and explain why and, and so forth, you know. I just, I, you know, wrestling for me is just, it's everything. You know, it's everything I've ever worked for. It's it's what I do. It's it's what I am, you know. I mean, whether I'm doing it on the independents or Japan or, you know, WWE, whatever, you know, I, I I come to work the same way, same attitude every night. Tremendous. Ricky, you got to thank you so much. Uh, you know, you can feel the, your love of the business, like, just coming uh, through the, the headphones here. Uh, great interview. Thank you. Uh, before we let you go, uh, can you just give us, uh, you know, where fans can see you uh, in the next couple of weeks? Uh, yeah. Um this coming Friday, I'm in um, Rhode Island, uh, Johnston, Rhode Island for XWA, and then I'll be in New York uh, Saturday and Sunday for Victory Pro Wrestling in Long Island, Deer Park. Uh, that's also where I have my, my school where I train at on Sundays, uh, Victory Pro Wrestling. And then uh, after that, I'll be in ICW, Queens, New York, and then back to Victory Pro Wrestling June 8th. And then June 15th, everyone's got to come down and see Parsippany, New Jersey's uh, Wrestling on Fire. That's, we'll be there. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Ricky, for giving us some time. And uh, we'll have to get you on again real soon. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy.
And there you have it, Ricky Reyes. Wow. You know, you, you just never know what you're going to get sometimes with an interview. And, uh, you know, we honestly thank you guys who have stayed on hold because we didn't really allot this much time for Ricky. But it was such a good interview. And, man, guess what, you guys in Texas? Bruce Tharp, if you're listening, and by all means, if you want to come on this show, come on the show. You want war, we'll give you war. Ricky Reyes is calling you guys out. He wants a shot. Give him the match against Chase Owens. That was good stuff. I was pumped. Uh, but he is one of those guys. You know, you check out Ricky Reyes. Check him out on Facebook. Uh, he is one of those wrestlers that he's, he's not going to give you a bad match. You will have a good match if you're watching Ricky Reyes. And, uh, you know, just a good guy. It's good stuff, Dave. Yeah, he was. he's very one of the, one of the most passionate interviews of you know, that we've done on the show that you you did in particular, uh, you know, very passionate about his work, uh, opinionated but professional and respectful at the same time, and uh, hopefully our viewers enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you know, and I, and I said it to him, and I wasn't lying. I mean, you really could, you know, he, he really loves this business, and I'm not saying that other interviewer, interviewees don't, but, uh, you know, you really kind of – felt it coming through that he just he really uh adores the business you know and just uh saying you know he, he doesn't want to be that crotchety veteran that doesn't like uh what he's doing if he's there he's doing it he gives 100 percent, and that's and i wasn't lying i mean i was i was talking to mario Savoldi about having him booked and he's like, oh, i love that kid love that kid that kid's great he's professional he's shows up on time well he's great he's great hope he, he goes real far so um, seems like a really good guy, and I, I, you know, I hope he goes far in this business. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Remember, kids, uh, we had Ricky Reyes on tonight. Luke Hawks will be joining us uh, this Tuesday, and next Sunday we got Fred Ottman. You may have known him as Tugboat, amongst other things. And we'll ask him about all those things, and that'll be next Sunday. So we've been enjoying the past few weeks. Uh, had a good run of, of interviews, a good mix of uh, some indie guys, some legends uh, in the mix. And so uh, it's been a lot of fun. So we're going to get to the phones uh, right after the, ba- the break. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. But at this point, it is time for the Day 5 5050 News Report. Thank you very much, Ken. The illustrious return of the Day 5 News Report. Courtesy of Powerbomb Pro Wrestling. After the news of WWE turning down the offer to have their content air on YouTube in a paid subscription format, TNA Wrestling has been named as one of the 53 pay-to-view subscription channels. For $4.99 a month, you will have access to their back catalog of all of their pay-per-views and television episodes of Impact, as well as other special content created specifically for their YouTube audience. That news bit was provided to you by Powerbomb Pro Wrestling News. And our second story, WWE officials do not have a timetable for a return on one CM Punk. They hope he can be a part of the newest WWE pay-per-view payback, which will emanate in June from Punk's hometown of Chicago. Multiple sources online state that Punk has not been in contact with the company and officials feel this break is due to nagging injuries, but more importantly, a mental burnout. Some sources say we could see Punk return around SummerSlam, but that, however, is unconfirmed. 
as you saw this past week on Impact Wrestling, ring announcer Christy Hemme mistakenly introduced the team of Austin Aries and Bobby Roode as bad influences Frankie Kazarian and the fallen angel Christopher Daniels. Aries, who was seen as visibly upset, proceeded to berate Christy Hemme, then corner her, and he proceeded to, let me read this properly, <laughs> point his, point, I want to say this without offending somebody, but point his crotch region directly in her face. A fan on Twitter then asked Hemi about the incident, and in quotes, she deemed it as unacceptable. Now, in my personal opinion, this could be a sexual harassment lawsuit and a public relations nightmare for TNA Wrestling if the consequences aren't put in place real soon. Another public relations nightmare from Ring of Honor. This past week, Ring of Honor star Jay Briscoe made some very derogatory remarks regarding homosexuality on Twitter. When news of this tweet broke, his Twitter account and the tweet itself were deleted. Ring of Honor officials then spoke publicly about this and had ordered Briscoe to apologize publicly at last night's house show as well as donate his earnings from last night's show to an unknown anti-gay bullying charity. Briscoe indeed apologized in front of last night's crowd, but you've got to wonder, with the rumors this past week of him and his brother's potential chances for working for the WWE, as it was rumored that the company has shown interest in them, will that interest continue on the WWE's part for both Briscoe brothers? And, folks, my fifth and final story I normally, when I do this day five news report, I like to give you different kinds of stories, not just injuries and tweets and rumors of storylines and championship title changes, but stuff that just happens overall in the wrestling community, something that will grab, you know, the, the listeners' eyes, their ears, I should say. And uh, this one in particular, brace yourselves, because this is probably the most bizarre story I have ever reported here on the day five news report. This is courtesy of the Spotlight. On Facebook, it's a wrestling uh, news page. A man who buys Dolph Ziggler's tights off of WWE auction site, in quotes, cannot fathom inability to get laid. Brigantine, New Jersey, for 23-year-old Damon Belsky, his $1,700 purchase of tights worn by a WWE wrestler should have come with a guarantee of estrogenal magnetism. Instead, he got a certificate of authenticity and a pair of unwashed trunks that smelled like pork chops. <laughs> Those were his words for the record. Belsky placed the winning bid on a set of black trunks worn by WWE performer Dolph Ziggler, spending nearly $2,000 just to get his mitts on the attire. However, since donning the tights in an attempt to impress the local ladies, Belsky remains barely able to attract the attention of even the nymphomaniacs at the sports bar. In quotes, I never thought my weight was a liability before, said the 338-pound Belsky. An attendant at the Exxon station, gas station on Bolsawood Drive. I just thought if I could look like Dolph, who is quite a ladies' man, I'd have a better chance of getting noticed. It's like those Axe Body Spray commercials, except this involves the types of a ruggedly handsome wrestler. picture <laughs> <laughs> is up on our Facebook page at this time. <laughs> Belsky may have may have made the mistake by wearing the tights in public places. <laughs> Where Ziggler wears casual and formal attire, saving his trunks for his ring performances. 
Yeah, that may have been a bit weird, too, in hindsight. Going down to the park wearing just the tights, shoes, and the satin replica strike force jacket. My, my sheltered cousin made me with a mistake. <laughs> I can't believe this guy's 23 years old. This guy looks like he's 43 years old if you look at the picture. What else do I got? It may have been okay if I zipped the jacket up and pretending like I was jogging because those kids screaming and mothers flipping out at the playground sure got the wrong idea. They sure don't like eczema scarring, that's for sure. Belsky plans to scrap the Ziggler Tyson in his continued pursuit for a mate or retain the strike force jacket as he feels it's not the problem. In, in quote, with it, I shall have a girl in my car. Belsky exclaimed while gesturing to his 1987 Ford Scorpio. <laughs> and folks, I don't know how I can continue. <laughs> I'm fire wrestling. Every Friday night, 11 p.m. on MeTV. The guy that I co-host this show with every week is the guy that does the color commentating for On Fire Wrestling on MeTV. And season nine of The Gun Show, Steve Off, Bob Berry, and El Rotundo Genioso. I used to think those were the weirdest guys, but after this last story, I think they put these guys to shame. If you want to see their level of weirdness, check out YouTube slash The Gun Show Web TV. And folks... Another source, Powerbomb Pro Wrestling News. You want to check them out? Check them out on Facebook as well as Twitter, at Powerbomb News, for interesting articles, news, rumors, and wrestling discussion. And there you have it for the most bizarre day five news report in the history of the Ken Reedy Show. Ken, back to you. It's like a car accident. It's like I, I want to look away, but I can't. <laughs> We got to get our producer on this. We got to interview this guy. Who's the poor chick that's standing next to him in the picture? And it's funny, man, because I just, and as I'm looking at him, I just have Ziggler's theme going on over and over in my head. I'm here to show the world. No, he's showing the girth. (laughs) Truth is stranger than fiction, my friends. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know where to go with this show right now. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. You can talk WWE TNA Ricky Reyes. You can talk scary guy in Ziggler shorts if you'd like. Well, <laughs> 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 we got Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Uh, yeah, I am. Oh my God, what was that? Was that the story? What the hell? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't. I can't. I can't control myself. <laughs> oh man! Like I just gee, wow. How could he fit into those things? That's the, that. I, like he must have had like a team of people help him put those on, like like a hazmat team or something. Like holy cow! It's one thing to buy them and like maybe frame them if you have like wrestling memorabilia, but to to wear them. Could you imagine that? Like he's got a team. Well, like, someone out there is, like, you know... Take a leak. <laughs> someone's going to, like, you know, walking around their house, and they're picking up, like, you know, butter and and a crowbar. And, so, and like, his wife, like, honey, where are you going? Just, yeah, our friend bought Ziggler shorts. I got to help him get into them. Yeah, we're going to help him shoehorn into them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run into this guy at some point. 
Balsamwood Drive in, in, in where, where is it, Brigantine, New Jersey? Go check out the Exxon gas station. You might be wearing those at work. <laughs> I do, you know, it's funny. Each and every year we go to a – God, we are so off topic now. We, <laughs> WPLJ every year does a summer blast-off at Jenks in Point Pleasant. And summer blast-off, like – and I just I, – I, I would bet money that I'm going to go to that this year and we're going to see this guy traipsing around Jenks blasting off the summer in his Ziggler shorts. I, I'm here to show the girth. I'm here to show the girth. Whoa! Tony, save us. What do you got for us today? Oh, my God. I think I'm having a big one here. <laughs> oh, man. So, anyway, what was... <laughs> I think everybody's lost their train of thought now. <laughs> I don't know. We oh, hit my... a little bit of Ziggler's... In... It's funny because we were talking Ziggler. Now we got the Ziggler story. <laughs> we had some Reyes. Lots of stuff happened on Raw. Give us uh, your thoughts. Actually, give us your thoughts on, on Monday Night Raw. I mean, you're... Our expert blogger, check out the henryshow.com, Tony blogs and everything. What do you think of, of Raw this week? Uh, besides the triple uh, or the uh, Brock Lesnar uh, trashing Triple H's uh, so-called you know, quote-unquote office, I, 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 I thought most of the show was kind of hell like Lesnar. Yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't really oh, I mean, this, the, whole, uh, the start of the show was just like, Cena comes out, he does the whole, you know, he Cena being Cena, and then it's like you know Ryback comes out, you know, and they do that, and it, you know he just does the whole you know mimicking Ryback the way he's talking, you know, it's like you know, it's, you know, and then he's and then it's like he comes out, oh, oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah, like, Ryback, go ahead, yeah, he could put the step, I don't care what it is, it's like he's pretty much, it's like he's just not really putting the guy, you know, not really putting the guy over by doing that, you know, I just thought that that whole that whole that whole thing at the start was really. Oh my God, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I, I, I got to admit, I, I did. I did chuckle when Cena did his Ryback impression. I thought. I thought that was funny. But yeah, it was. It was a. What do you What do you think so far about like how they're they're putting together this this rivalry between the two of them? I, I don't know. I think it could be better. I mean, I, the Ryback heel turn. I mean, I guess I've purposed it before. It's just kind of like came out of nowhere. It's just like you know. The fans were really into the whole "Feed Me More" chant. I mean, they were chanting it everywhere, you know. And then, like, what was it like? The next week after WrestleMania, all of a sudden, like, they decided to turn him heel. And it's like, now it's supposedly it's because Cena never came out when uh, the Shield were ganging up on him or whatever. But it's, I don't know. I just think it's, I don't know. I think his heel turn is really not doing right back any favors. It's really, you know, it's he, he was sort of more over as a, uh, you know, because the "Feed Me More" chant was really was really getting, uh, you know, he was really getting over with that. I would agree with you. I mean, I thought he was super over as a face. I mean, I'm curious where they're going to go with this matchup. The one thing that I find interesting is going into Extreme Rules and uh, the intensity factor in, in this rivalry. Um, I'm finding, because obviously this is going to be the main event, and as far as, you know, the build and and the, the writing, I, I I feel the least amount of intensity between these two, being the main yeah, event, uh, you know, like th- there's a lot of intensity for the world championship. Uh, there's a, obviously a lot of intensity and animosity between Mark Henry and Sheamus. Uh, there's a history and animosity between Randy Orton and Big Show, you know, and they're, they're building this card. Uh, and it's kind of cool because it's like these these throwback rivalries, like old school kind of feel where you, you have people wrestling that – you, you get kind of a, a 
a hateful feel for that, that these guys actually don't like each other. They're, they're, they're bona fide rivalries. Um, the least intensity I'm feeling right now going into Extreme Rules is Ryback Cena. What do you think, Dave? I mean, it doesn't do any favors that Ryback's not really the greatest talker in the world. And, like, I agree with both of you. His heel turn hasn't really set the world on fire. He'd be better off with a mouthpiece um, like a Paul Heyman um, to kind of, you know, get him over more with the audience um, as a heel. Um, the intense, I mean, I don't, I'm not really I, – I, a few months ago, I was, like, all about this, you know, them two going at it, but, like, babyface versus, versus babyface. But his logic behind trying to, you know, going after Cena and why he wants the belt because he didn't help him with the shield. And, you know, I understand they're playing up the, the, the shield bruise or injury that Cena had to make this a last-man-standing match. But I just didn't – it's just not clicking with me. I'm not really, really big on, on this. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting it to be a good match in terms of, like, you know, it's going to be a good brawl, but um, I expect John Cena to win. Um, I just, it does, it, I'm not really, it, it's not catching me right now. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of, it, it's weird. Because I do think, honestly, and I'm curious what you think, Tony. Um, I, I think the card as a whole has shaped up nicely. I, I just think that. At, at the top, it, it's weird, but like the main event is probably the the weakest rivalry. Your your thoughts on the Extreme Rules card? Um, well, I definitely agree that the uh, Cena Ryback uh, match is definitely the weakest out of the lineup. Um, and you know, getting back to you, know, like as far as like what, they, what to do with the world title, I mean, you know, it's you know what you were talking about earlier in the show. I mean, it, really, it was really a shame that Dolph had a concussion, you know, because it's like he had the money in the bank case for nine months. He, you know, he finally wins a, you know, he finally they finally gave him a belt, and you know, and and uh, he was, you know, and and the death, you know, the, the that feud with, you know, that, that's been going on was was really did, did have a lot of, you know, did have a lot of good stuff in there. I was, you know, I, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was enjoy, you know, entertaining and everything. And now it's like he's got a concussion, and it's just like, you know. You know, like you say, I mean, any of the uh, scenarios you mentioned earlier, they could do, you know, like having Biggie likes to defend it for him or whatever, you know, it's like they could do that and maybe, you know, like eventually, you know, like I guess I don't know if I could, it seems like, it seems like they, they were anyway kind of doing like a Diesel Shawn Michaels kind of thing where, you know, like he was, you know, or eventually he's going to get like, you know, it's like, you think you can say, you know, like Biggie can win the belt, you know, like, or retain the belt for Sigler or whatever, and then you can have him be like, kind of like, you know, Maybe even win the money in the bank uh, in July too, and be uh, you know if they can say that you know, you know cause some more uh, t- uh, friction between the two. But you know, like I said, to um, you know, it is a shame. You know, it's like I hope you know, it's like I said, I hope you know, like Dolph is going to be you know, I don't know if he'll be at the show or whatever, but you know, it's like it's uh, I, I mean, I, I would think they're going to mention it on Raw tomorrow night that he's that he's got a concussion. I mean, I hate to think that they lead the fans into uh, saying, it was like, oh, hey, thanks for paying four to five bucks. By the way, uh, one of the matches you paid to see isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, stranger things have happened. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is really such a shame. I mean, I, you know, again, and I do think they can use the fact that Swagger gave them the concussion uh, to assist them in, in the storyline. Um, should be interesting to see uh, where they go. As I said earlier, Tony is our expert blogger, best blogger in the business, uh, raw SmackDown, Impact, uh, all his blogs right now are, are up to date on the website, so go check them out, thekennedyshow.com. Tony, it's always a pleasure. Uh, talk to you Tuesday? Oh, yeah, you bet. Cool. Talk to you later, man. All right. 
I think we're finally like refocused, which is good. Tony kind of got us back on track. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. Um, yeah, and also as far as our bloggers, Tony's uh, our blog. We also have Joan, who's uh, got a couple of new blogs up there on the website. So we got we got a good team of bloggers right now going over there. So check out thecanreedyshow.com, and we're going to stick with the phones. We got Mr. Trivia on the line over here. Let's go out to him. Mr. Trivia, are you there? Yeah, hey, guys. How you doing? Doing all right. How you doing tonight? Good. I'm glad uh, Tony got you off the track because that, that picture was, oof. But then again, that, that, that chick didn't look like no prize picnic either. But uh, For him, she is. Huh? For him, she he's not doing any better oh, than her. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, he's got that, that Dunlap going on there, you know, belly Dunlap over his belt. But uh, anyway, guys, I'd like to talk about Thursday night about uh, some TNA. You know, yeah, it was actually, it. Yeah, it was yeah. actually nice to see Abyss back. I was kind of psyched. I thought, you know, it's funny when you when you tool around and you, you try and garner, like, the, the feel of, of wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, there was some people out there saying, no, like they, they would have preferred uh, Abyss coming back as a heel and being the, the true uh, monster heel that he can be. Uh, I don't know. To me, it was overthinking it. He got a pop. He hasn't, Abyss hasn't been around in a while. It, it adds a, a new element. Uh in the whole Ace and Eights thing, I think the booking Ace and Eights week um, is kind of an overused criticism. They have the world title. They have the TV title. I get it. The rest of the group is, you know, not the strongest group. But, you know, I'm still kind of enjoying it and intrigued where the storyline's going to go. And I kind of like I mean, I think it ended the show on a interesting note. Uh, Abyss is a monster regardless. So... Where are they going to go with this character? Look, they can always turn Abyss heel. He is that type of character, so who knows what the future will hold. But, yeah, I, I kind of like seeing Abyss back. What do you think, Dave? I, You know, it took me by surprise because I thought for sure it was going to be Jeff Hardy. Um, and when he came back, I was like, oh, wow, cool. You know, like, you hadn't seen him in a while. It was pretty fresh. And, uh, you know, it's... it's, it's I think it's good for the Abyss character to be back because it's been a long time since he's been in the in the fold in the mix, and you know their DNA the short line is that they need someone that's you know a like a big threat for the Aces and Eights because Aces and Eights have been taking everybody out, and Abyss seems to be like that guy. A lot of message boards are saying, "Oh well, you know, he doesn't really move needle in terms of ratings and you know stuff like that," but. That doesn't matter to me. It got this viewer, myself, you know, and that's, that's all that really matters to me at the end of the day. And I'm intrigued by it and looking forward to seeing where it goes and where eventually, you know, the Joseph Park character fits into it all. Yeah, well, I, I, um, when I saw Aces and Aces, when I saw them all laid out in the back, it was the first thing I thought of was, yep, a business back. I mean, you know, like you had said before, it's... Uh, you know, it's you know, a big thing with the Joseph Park thing, and you know anybody who knows wrestling, you know, like the the wrestling public that calls the Ken Reedy show, the very knowledgeable people, you know, they know they're all one and the same. But uh, getting off the subject of that for one quick second, and getting on to uh, Extreme Rules, uh, this John Cena Ryback match. 
and the rest of the pay-per-view, I would probably have to give it probably, from what I'm looking at right now, I'd probably say it's going to be, in my opinion, probably the usual grade of C to C-minus for a WWE pay-per-view. Because in my opinion, right now, in the last couple of months, I think it's been getting kind of predictable. Um... I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's unpredictable. I, I, I'm kind of curious how they're going to go with the uh, uh, the whole extreme rule. I mean, it's extreme rules, and that's always been a problem as far as you know the PG rating and how far they can go with it. I I'm kind of enjoying the setup. I'm I'm optimistic, but um, again, you know, you, you do wonder how far they can go when they're calling it something like extreme rules. I mean, Heyman's really putting over. This old school cage match. Um, I think Mark Henry has obviously, in both words and actions, hinted at a lot of violence. Um, are we going to see that level to live up to uh, extreme rules? I guess uh, I'm. I'm you know, I get it, and I get uh, where you're at, Mr. Trivia, as far as uh, you know your thoughts, and, and sometimes you just don't want to. <clears throat> Be overly optimistic because you feel you're going to be uh, disappointed. But I, I think I'm a little more optimistic going into this pay-per-view uh, than maybe you are. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I mean, there's other great matches that you know that, that's going to be a part of this pay-per-view. I mean, I'm intrigued, you know, with the with the possibility of the scenarios they they got for the ladder match. But um, you know, the Mark Henry, you know, Sheamus match is now a strap match after what we saw on Monday. I mean, it was, you know, it, it made me more interested in that match itself. Um, then, of course, Triple H and Brock Lesnar, you know, it's the it's the rubber match between the two of them and something that we didn't expect to see, uh, but that was probably done because of, you know, CM Punk, you know, taking time off and the possibility of John Cena not being, you know, on the, on the card, but, you know, he's going to be on the card, so... There's other matches on there that's that's got me intrigued, and you know I will watch the pay per view, but you know Ryback Cena is just not one of them for me. It's just not like I said, it's not clicking. But there are other matches that I look forward to. Probably, I'd say probably the ladder match and Henry and uh, Sheamus in the strap match. Yeah, I would say the um, if I was, oh, I'm definitely going to watch it. But if I would be more interested in seeing only one match on that card for the whole pay-per-view, it would be Triple H, Brock Lesnar. Because, you know, like you, like you said, uh, Dave, it's the rubber match. They're tied one apiece. And um, I really, I mean, I understand Brock Lesnar has this MMA background and he's been MMA champ or ultimate fighting champion or MMA or whatever you want to call it. And uh, Triple H is multi-time world champion. But I really think when it comes down to the brass taxes of the business, there's a guy that knows, like he said, he's got two offices and the one in the ring. And if it comes down to the nitty-gritty, I think uh, Triple H is going to put a real serious beating on him. So, hey, guys, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you again, and we'll catch you on Tuesday nights. And uh, Ken, Dave, we'd like to... On behalf of the Top Rope Report, I'd like to wish your mothers a very happy Mother's Day. And we will catch you on Tuesday. Thank you very much, Mr. Trudy. I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you, you never know. And that's what I love about wrestling. I mean, there's a lot of criticism floating around out there about, uh, 
you know, Triple H and people are, you know, not being big Triple H fans. And, uh, I, I, you know, I like the guy. I've always liked him, and I've always liked the intensity he, he brings to the ring. And Miss Trivia is, you know, hey, looking forward to the beatdown he's going to give on Brock Lesnar. I mean, I, you know, again, another match. It's got that old school, uh, you know, long-standing rivalry kind of feel to it. Again, maybe this was not supposed to be the rubber match. Maybe there were other plans in the works for this match. But, uh, you know, Triple H, he knows how to bring the intensity. He knows how to, you know, wrestle a hard-hitting match. And uh, I am intrigued. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm intrigued with this match because I do feel like there's, you know, in, in the, a long-standing rivalry like this, and uh, essentially you would think this is the blow-off match. Do you have – do you put – Brock Lesnar, from Triple H's point of view, from that character's point of view, I mean, he was put out of wrestling temporarily by Brock Lesnar last year. Uh, had his arm broken by Brock Lesnar. So do you go and do that again and basically just, you know, put Triple H out like that? Um, at the same time, Lesnar hasn't won a whole hell of a lot of matches since coming back. And granted, I know wins and losses aren't, uh, the end-all, be-all in professional wrestling, but for this guy who's supposed to be a world beater and he's uh, supposed to be, uh, you know, almost indomitable and he's a part-timer, you figure you, you got to get a, a win under his belt, especially losing most recently at WrestleMania. Um, you know, no amount of times of killing 3MB can can make you look like as big a badass as as it would look like if you beat a Triple H. So I'm very intrigued with the outcome of this match, and I'm also looking forward to the hard-hitting uh, nature of this match. So uh, it is another match outside of Cena and Ryback. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Extreme Rules, your thoughts? I think there's going to be a finality with this match in terms of you know a blow-off between the two, and I do agree with you. I think Lesnar... Because, yes, he is a part-time guy. They're paying him a lot of money, and he's he's going to be around the company on a part-time basis for at least, um, you know, another two years from what I've read. Um, I think it would be best if they, you know, made him look stronger. I mean, he's, he, looks, he, he looks like a monster, and he's built up as a monster to begin with. But getting a win over, you know, another win over Triple H and almost putting an exclamation point to the end of this rivalry would be good for Lesnar in his favor. Um, I don't think he's going to, like, quote-unquote, like, take him out or break his arm or, you know, do something to write him off of television. Um, and this is kind of just, a, you know, an outside bold prediction on my part. I mean, I think he will win. I think he'll win in decisive fashion. And I think what could happen is, and this is just an, this is a prediction of mine, but I think that, you know, the cage will rise up. Triple H will come to his feet and he'll try and milk a pop like he did for summer that SummerSlam last year, and he'll stand in the ring. He'll get his standing ovation. Lesnar will be gone by then. But in my, my prediction, I think the Shield is going to come out of nowhere and attack Triple H and take him off of television. And I think that will eventually lead to something with Triple H and the Shield. Possibly, and this is just a prediction of mine. This isn't rumors I've heard, but this is just an outside. Bold prediction of mine that I think we might see the Shield in some kind of match with Triple H next year at WrestleMania. I think this will be the way to write him off the television. 
That's a good idea. Maybe they go forward at SummerSlam. We have a Triple H and The Undertaker versus The Shield. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I've, you know, I've heard rumors of Undertaker possibly teaming with Kane to take on The Shield at SummerSlam. Um, you know, I just thought of the idea because there was talk of inducting DX in this past year's Hall of Fame. They might want to do it next year in New Orleans. I don't know why they want to do DX before they induct Hunter on his own, but I think maybe just the dynamic of The Shield versus, like, Triple H and DX, you know, like, Road Dog and Billy or X Power or whoever, you know, and then that's how you can get Shawn Michaels on the show by just showing up in his corner again and prancing around and doing, you know, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Um but, you know, I just think that I think that would be a a, a cool idea to also give the Shield I mean, because if you remember, you know, a week after WrestleMania, the Shield targeted Triple H on SmackDown and that was never really settled, you know? They kind of went back to, you know, the Shield against The Undertaker, but they never really settled this, you know, why The Shield was going to go after Triple H. So maybe this would be like the opportunity where he melts the pop, they come down, they attack him, they take him out, and then you could start the match with if, they, if they're going to wrestle uh, hell no, you know, Kane and Bryan for the titles. And then you set up next year. Just a thought, Stanford. <laughs> 1-5 is the number to call. We're going to go back out to the phones. Again, you never know who's going to be calling in, but uh, my on-fire broadcast partner, Ray Ray Mars, on the line. Ray, are you there? Mr. Kenjamin Reedy, how are you? Doing all right. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fantastic, sir. I'm just finishing up uh, with some Mother's Day festivities on the road back home. But that's now. Tomorrow, I'm right back to the garage focusing on my one list. That I have in mind, and that is for six days from now to rewrite the BWO record books once again and become the record shattering, world beating, six time United States champion once I take my title back from Stephen Off. Wow, that's a, so you so you're looking to break your own record? Of course. Nobody has held any number of championships five times in the BWO. I'm the only five-time champion of any sort, and uh, looking to improve on the numbers, make it six. Interesting. So, in, in taking on Steve Alf, who is the, the current uh, title holder at this moment, um, I'm curious your thoughts. Now, is this something? Are you looking to change up your strategy going into the ring to to win the belt, or do you believe uh, that Steve Alf's victory over you was just a fluke, and you're just going to stick with your game plan? Well, first off, I will go on record in saying that in the entire 10-year-plus history of the BWL, there was no bigger fluke than Steve Ross defeating Ray Ray Mars two months ago to become United States champion. And I will, I firmly stand on that. I made one mistake, good for Andy Capitalized. But it's not, I go with every match, and it's kind of like take it as it goes. But I'm coming at this match with a little bit of a different mindset than last time. If you look back at Ray Ray Mars' career in the BWO, especially as it relates to that United States title division. I've beaten every single person that has been put in that ring across from me. I've beaten Draven Blaze, Preacher, Joey the Bull, all of whom are former world champions, by the way. I've beaten Darius Carter and Dillinger. Steve Roth is the one obstacle that I've yet to overcome, that I've yet to defeat. And I know in my heart that I am better than Steve Roth. And Sure, you got to win. You can't win them all. But I know. I am Steve Austin. Look, I understand 
he's been around forever. He's a fantastic competitor. He's a great competitor. When I first came into the BWO, he was the champion for almost a year. But what happened was he got soft. He was got soft, and that's really what led to his downfall. Then losing the title and flying around for however long until he finally got some momentum back by defeating me. This is Larry Mars' time to take the BWO banner into the next generation, rewriting the record books along the way. He was great competitor, but I will win that title back. I am counting on it this Saturday night. Wow, those are pretty pointed words. Now, I'm just curious, as you're, as you're um, you know, right now you're talking strategy and you're saying it's a fluke. I mean, we know uh, here on the show that, that Steve Off uh, definitely listens. So if, if he's out there right now, he's sitting near his computer listening to uh, the show, what was what would be one thing you'd, you'd want to say directly to Steve Off right now? Um, well... I will say this to Steve. If you are listening, you are probably wondering why I uh, did what I did after that match. Gave you the, uh, the nut kick, if you will. And really, the reason is, I know, first of all, you know, you didn't deserve that title shot in the first place. You were just given the title shot, and yeah, you beat me, but guess what? I'm invoking my rematch clause, and you have to beat me again. And you have to defeat me. And if, I don't want any of this. This garbage turnout and disqualification nonsense. I got 100% Steve O's game so that when I defeat you and become the sixth time United States champion, you will know for good in your heart what I already know, and that is that I am the better man. I'm the better wrestler, period. And I truly believe that. Steve, if you hey, help me along the way, that's it. I'll give him that. But he always beat me There's only one pro wrestling favorite, Rockstar Revolution. That is Ray Ray Mars. And I will prove that when I win that belt back this Saturday. Definitely a lot of heat going on between the two of you. Before we let you go, why don't you let our fans know uh, again when and where and how we can get tickets. Well, it's this Saturday, the Rutley, New Jersey, United Columbus, the 18th, Ray Ray Mars, Steve Off, BWO Revelations, United States title match, and there's a couple other wrestlers, a couple other matches going on, but that's the one you really want to see because that will be the one. We will tear the house down. I will promise you this. Um, later on in the month of June, it's pretty busy. June the 1st, I'll be wrestling for Real Pro Wrestling up in Pennsylvania. I'll give you more details when I know them. Uh, let's see. June the 15th, NWA on fire. BWO might be having a show that night as well to figure out how I can be in two places at once. We're wrestling for Funkside Wrestling Federation on June the 28th in Lakewood, New Jersey. Very near and dear to me, my home where I grew up. So, that's all i got at the moment. Awesome stuff. Rary, thanks a lot for giving us a call. We'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Take it easy. Hey, I have it. Rary Mars giving us a call. You never you never know what direction the show's going to go in sometimes. But, yeah, check out the BWO going after, trying to bring home that U.S. title. And in the same vein of never knowing what direction we're going to go in, we got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Hey, what's going on, guys? I see you got Ray 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 Mars whining about how he's gonna beat this one and how he's gonna beat that one. Take notice, he never mentioned that he beat Magic because he never beat Magic. But what? But whatever. And then you got Ricky Reyes. He comes on the show. He talks about how good he is. And you know what? Ricky Reyes is good. But you know what I say? Ricky Reyes, get yourself a tag team partner and take on my fat boys. Really? You 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 want to see Ricky Reyes take on your your team? 
Yep, because I have I am very confident in my team. Matter of fact, last night at ECTW, my Fat Boys with the new addition, the Sugar the Sugar Girls, we have a new new team called the Sugar Girls that came out with us last night. Um, they beat Chaos and another wrestler by the name of Rob Fury. Now it's not Rob Fury that's been in BWO, a different Rob Fury. But uh, they've been they've been they've been on the roll. the place tonight. What do you got for us? Well, let's let's talk a little wrestling. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar going and destroying an office. Who cares? You know what? You know what would have been nice if he would have went to Triple H's house. You go to his house. You do like what they do with Randy Orton. You break in or whatever. You scare Stephanie and the kids or whatever. That's an that's how you make an impact. You know, you went from being the next big thing to the next big joke. But uh, at, at Extreme Rules, I see Triple H losing for some reason. I think they're going to make him lose. And you guys were talking about the Shield. You guys were talking about the Shield. Next year, wouldn't it be funny if you brought back Shawn Michaels? You have Michaels, Undertaker, and you had Triple H versus the Shield. And uh, I, I think that would be. In- I think that would be interesting. What do you guys think about that? You know, I mean, it's interesting. You know, it's funny because we've gone back and forth on the show, especially with The Undertaker, and, uh, you know, no disrespect intended. I mean, obviously I have all the respect in the world for The Undertaker, but we we talked about, you know, how how much can he do, and he's proved us wrong. Any any sort of speculation that he needs someone to carry him uh, was wrong. You know, the guy can still go. However, it's still a year, a year older. Um you know, I know the streak is a big thing, the one-on-one thing, but uh, that whole thing with, uh, you know, the end of an era and that image of those three, uh, the end of an era, the uh, the past era against the future of the business, um, you know, it, it could make money. I mean, that's, uh, it, that's, that's if the shield is even going to be around too. I mean, we don't even know what's going to happen within it within a year. You never know; they might break up the shield. You know, ne- you never know. That's this is the way the wrestling business um, is. Unfortunately, as you guys well know. Um, the other thing I was thinking about this Sunday night, um, I, well, next Sunday night, I think they should do if they're going to have Dolph Ziggler sit out. I don't think Biggie, Biggie, uh, whatever his name is, Langston. I don't think he's the answer. What I think they should do is they should strap a uh, like a um, a clause on top of the you know when they go to climb the ladder and have a number one contenders match if they're going to keep Dolph Ziggler out because of his concussion. I mean that's how I see it. I wouldn't do a triple threat. I don't think Langston's ready yet for it. That's that's you know it's another good idea. I mean that's a, that's, that's my opinion. I I just don't see him ready ready um re- ready for it. But um. The other thing, and this is going to be my last thing for tonight, um, June June 8th, we have a show coming up in Staten Island, New York. Um, Tommy Dream is going to be on it uh, it's for ECPW. I'll have more on my Facebook, Mike Ferrara at Facebook, and you guys can check it out there. And I'm looking forward to seeing Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. I'm looking to, to get out all the information. And the only thing I'm not looking forward to it, really, is Jericho dancing off with the uh, Fandango. I mean, come come on. Do you guys want to see a dance off, really? Dave, Dave, what do you think about a dance off, Dave? Oh, 
Oh my God! You have, this show really took a bad turn with this. <laughs> Are you serious, Ken? You're playing that while I'm on the phone. You might, you might as well have Scooby Doo as the world champion. Come on, what the heck is going on around here? But thank you guys for my time. And uh, Dave, answer the question: Do you want to see a dance off? I mean, it's not something I'm like gonna buy a ticket to go see, but you know, if there's gonna be, if it's if it's to advance the storyline and you know there's a good payoff in it, then sure. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot worse. Okay, remember when Eugene did musical chairs one year on Monday Night Raw? <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah, don't, 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 don't remind me about musical. Yeah, musical chairs. You, you, you are correct, sir. And then I, Carly, I, I, I read, how about Carly? Cam, how about when Kylie used to kiss the wrestlers? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> I know. I rest yeah, my chair. You guys have a nice week. And hello, and uh, I want to say hello to uh, Miss Diva, Michelle. Uh, I love it. I love you guys. You guys are great. I will speak to you next week. Talk to you later, man. Take All it right, easy. thank you very much. Uh, you know what? He he brought up a really good point. Um, if that if that were the image of Lesnar trashing Triple H's home with Stephanie, like, cowering in a corner holding the kids. He doesn't even have to do anything physical. Just the family cowering away from him. And then that whole thing at the end where Heyman drops his card. Oof. Yeah, that would have been good. I mean, I'm not saying I hate it on the office segment, but you want to ramp up the intensity... Yeah, that would have been good. Would have been. I, good. I, I mean, I, I would think, I think that would be pretty good too. But you know, granted, this is wrestling, but there would have to be police involved. You know, I, I mean, I'm sorry, you let a guy will come in your house and trash it, breaking and entering. I mean, they would have to get the cops involved. You know, like as, as a part of the storyline. I understand it's wrestling, and you know, a lot of times logic does go out the window. But it's a good, it's a good idea in theory. But I just think, you know. Of course, I mean every every internet wrestling fan they're gonna find something to trash about the WWE. So, just, just just to not defend them, but to bring up a point, you know, I think that they would have to involve some form of police um, if they were to do something like that. But you know, on a note about the office, I read earlier this week that you know that wasn't really Triple H's office. As a matter of fact, that was the old office of Jim Ross in WWE headquarters when he used to be the. Uh, Vice President of Talent Relations. Just a little uh, interesting fact for all you listeners out there. Interesting. That is interesting. I don't know where to go. <laughs> Let's go back <laughs> to the calls, 347-838-9815. And you know what? We'll go at it one more time. Dang, how you doing? I'm doing good, gentlemen. How you doing tonight? Doing all right. Happy birthday, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But you know, birthday or no birthday, Epcot or no Epcot, I'm not missing the show. And it was great when I saw it this morning that you posted that you was being pushed to 8 o'clock. Because I'm like, park closes at 9. The moment I left the park, I jumped on the line. I'm like, I can still make the show. That's awesome. We really appreciate that. You know, a trip to Epcot, and you still found you wanted to fit us in. Thank you so much. So what do you got for us tonight? 
Well, actually, being my birthday now, I was thinking, um, do you think as to avoid um, No, Mickey Mouse was not going to end the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania, if that's what you were going to ask. <laughs> no. wrestlers coming back and making appearances and, you know. Oh, no. We lost Dank. That thought-provoking question will not take place. Yeah, and it's like he always asks, like, the most thought-provoking questions. So, uh, Dank, I don't know what happened. Oh, there you are. You're back online. I don't know what happened, but we'll get you right back in here. Dank, are you there now? I'm here now. That's two weeks in a row now. (laughs) <laughs> something's, wrong with your, something's wrong with your phone. I keep disappearing. See, Taker won't do it, I'll do it. <laughs> but, as I was saying, do you think that WWE should establish an age limit to where a wrestler can be full-time so as to not cause permanent damage to, you know, like, be honest, when you reach a certain age... You know, it's harder to recover from injuries. It's, you know, it's it's easier to get injured. Do you think that when you reach a certain age, WWE should just say, okay, we're going to still make storylines for you, but you're going to be brought down to being a part-time wrestler? What do you think? I don't know. You know what? It's tough. Like, you know, I'm thinking to make it a steadfast rule. I mean, I think they kind of do that. Uh, with people, I mean, they kind of back off as they get older. Um, if you make a rule, you can kind of start to get accused of ageism. Uh, not that any of these veterans would file a lawsuit, but you know, I, and I, I'm not a lawyer, but you know, it is a, it, it could be construed as prejudicial. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Prejudicial uh, treatment of, of someone or prejudicial uh, conduct. Uh, based on somebody's age. So that would be difficult, but I do think they kind of do that anyway. They just kind of start to kind of pull it back a little bit. So uh, I I would agree in a sense that I wouldn't make, I I wouldn't make it a steadfast policy, but I would, I agree with what they're doing that as you get older, you don't want, as as a business, you just wouldn't want someone, Older in that many significant storylines because you risk injury, you risk having to scramble for a rewrite. So uh, pulling back, I think, is beneficial, but I, I would steer clear of making it a rule. What do you think, Dave? Um, yeah, I mean, making it a rule. I think, like for instance, like when you know Ric Flair recently had the blood caught in his leg. You know, they took action and wouldn't have him participate in the show, and he was only supposed to have a part where he was going to be like a part of that Legends Q&A for the build-up with The Rock and John Cena for the WrestleMania match. So I think it really questions, I think it really goes along the lines of, you know, the talent's health. Um, I mean, if you notice a few years ago, uh, Mae Young appeared on, like, the old-school Monday Night Raw, and she was in a handicapped, no-disqualification, falls-count-anywhere match with uh, Lay Cool, Michelle McCool and uh, Layla. And she had all the other divas help her, you know, and she's like, I think she just turned 90, so she was probably like 87, 88, something like that. So 
so they kind of worked around it. But I think they really care about the talent health, especially these days with, you know, concussions and, you know, the injuries and, and the wellness policy that they have, um, that they really don't need to institute a rule. I think it's just basically up to, the, you know, a, a mutual agreement with the performer um, and the company itself. Um, so I, I don't think that there's in any kind of bylaw rule book that they have an age gap or a limit where they just say, all right, at 55, you're done, that's it, you know? Because, I mean, let's face it, you know, The Undertaker's nearing 50 if he hadn't turned 50 already, and uh, he's, you know, he's he's doing one couple matches a year, and, you know, he's been known for having nagging injuries, and, uh, you know, they I mean, they they know where their bread is buttered when it comes to WrestleMania season with him, so they, they kind of bite the bullet on that. Um but, yeah, I don't think you'll see any kind of, like, age limit restriction kind of thing. Um, you know, I think they have a, a, an understanding with their talent on, you know, how far they can go with them, you know, when they get to a certain age. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Um, second question, real quick. How long do you think before Shawn Michaels gets back in the ring, if he gets back in the ring? <laughs> I think it'll be a while. I mean, I, I, I do think... I look, and again, we've talked about. It. I'm not the the biggest Shawn Michaels fan, but uh, I think respects, I think he respects the business, and he's a talented guy, and he I, I think he wants to respect the fact that uh, that that Taker put him out. I, I think he he's going to respect the storyline. Um, you know, I, I just my feel for him is uh, you know it's not, it's nothing personal. Not being a huge fan, it's just like that was he never. I was never drawn to him, but uh, I do think yeah. he's an incredible performer, and he's got a tremendous amount of respect for the business, and I think he's got a tremendous amount of respect for The Undertaker. Um, so do you think if Undertaker were to retire, like, in the next year or so, that after Taker retires, Michaels might consider having another match? Or I, do you think I, that... I mean, look, it's wrestling, so would I be shocked if Michaels comes back? No. But I do think it would. I don't think it would be like Taker retired and Michael sneaks in. I think it would, it would be a very special uh, set of circumstances that the Undertaker would have to give him permission. Say, under these circumstances, yes, I, I I say you can go back into the ring. Um, I do think again, like we we're talking earlier, um, if they did like a Shield match, if Taker went to Michaels and said. I want you to be our third member. That, to me, brings them out of retirement. They could do something like that. I just think the way Michaels is, he's not coming out unless it's done right. What do you think, Dave? I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, he wants to respect the stipulation. Um, I remember reading an interview with him a while back where, you know, he he didn't really have a, a, a plan in place as far as retirement goes, but after the first Undertaker match at WrestleMania 25, he felt he couldn't have any more of a perfect match, and that's when the serious talks of retirement uh, came into place. And he wanted to go out on his own terms, and I guess he saved his money well, and, you know, he does, you know, outside projects and, and uh, is living off of that stuff, and, you know, he's – he, he made the smart decision going out on his terms and going out, I would probably say, like, in the peak of his of his wrestling career in terms of, like, you know, his skill. It does, It wouldn't surprise me if he did come back. I don't think a WrestleMania match would, would be, you know, with those three guys against the Shield would be 
in my opinion, the smartest move, number one, because they try and market that streak with The Undertaker as a one-on-one thing. And, you know, that image of Taker and Michaels and Hunter at WrestleMania last year in Miami, that's something that, like, that's like a fitting way to, like, end that era, so to speak. So, like, to have them come back at a WrestleMania I know it would draw big, but I, I think they, they really rely on the, the Undertaker going solo in matches to be even a bigger draw. And having Undertaker and then Shawn Michaels returning in a match together, one would overshadow the other, and they don't want to do that. So I don't – I mean, you never say never in the wrestling business, but I don't see Shawn Michaels coming back for a match anytime soon. The only way I see that happening is if – he has a match with Triple H, and it's like Triple H's last match or a retirement match. You know, the, the Triple H wants to go out wrestling his best friend. That's the only way I see it happening, but I really don't think it's going to happen. But never say never like they always do in wrestling. All right. Well, All right, thank you very much. Sure, have a great rest of your birthday. Thanks for uh, supporting us, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, you will. Have a good night, gentlemen. Take it easy. All right, guys. Well, you know what it's time for. We reach that portion of our program. The Ken Reading Show, not of approval. This is the portion of our program where we talk a little bit about. What in the world of wrestling made us just kind of nod to ourselves and say, hey, yeah, that worked. That was good. Uh, we do this each and every week to nod of approval. If you want to go to Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ken Reedy Show. Put your nod of approval up there on the show chat. We'd love to hear what you thought of this week in pro wrestling. But, Dave, what did you think? This week in wrestling, what got your nod of approval? Well, there really wasn't much, but the one thing that caught my eye that I just nodded at that I thought it was absolutely great, and I even said it on the Facebook chat on Monday night, was when Damian Sandow sang Randy Orton's theme song, but with his own version of words, on the way to the ring um, for his match against uh, you know against Orton on Monday night. I thought it was so funny, you know, the, 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 the rhyming, and he incorporated Orton's character into the song, and I just thought it was something different from Sandow that made his character more versatile. And, you know, Sandow's character is supposed to be pompous, and, you know, he's better than you and smarter than the average person. But after seeing that on Monday night, it would not surprise me in the least bit if somewhere down the road, and I'm not saying tomorrow, I'm not saying six months or a year from now, but sometime in his career in the WWE, he could be perceived as a babyface. I just thought the, I thought it was funny. I laughed my ass off watching. You know, I thought it was great, and I I even said on the chat that's getting my nod of approval. That's like a strong contender for nod of approval this week, and uh, that that pretty much stuck with me for the rest of the week. That was a good moment. I definitely laughed. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see more out of Sandow. Um, it was funny stuff. But my nod goes to, and it's kind of a collective as far as, it, it, it just goes to Mark Henry. Mark Henry, look, I mean, first and foremost, when it comes to Mark Henry, there's more behind him as far as his career than in front of him. And I think Mark Henry, when he finally hangs it up, is going to be able to look back and realize that he did some of his best work. Uh, late in his career. Uh, this guy's tremendous, and we've said before on the show that 
you know, when Bully Ray grabs the mic, it's must-see TV. Well, for this wrestling fan, it has gotten to a point that when Mark Henry's music hits, it is must-see TV, both on the mic and in the ring. I just, I love what he's done with his character. I, I just love everything Mark Henry is doing, and it was pronounced for me very much so this week. Uh, starting off, when you when you look at Raw, his promo, um, you know, making fun of the what chant was hilarious. When he when he just kind of got the crowd going, Seamus, what? Seamus, what? And y'all a bunch of puppets. I, I thought it was hilarious, but he doesn't play it off as a joke. I mean, he just keeps his intensity. Uh, I thought that was great. And, man, when we're talking physicality and we're talking the PG era and the lack of blood, man, the welts he put on Sheamus. You're looking for some physical intensity. You're looking for an old throwback kind of rivalry. When he beat down Sheamus, it was tremendous. And I'm not going to say I wasn't looking forward to the match. I mean, I was. I was looking forward to what these two were going to do in the ring. But that beatdown just added. Like, I can't wait to see this strap match at Extreme Rules, what these two guys are going to do to each other. Um, yeah, I thought the beatdown was tremendous. And then you head on over to SmackDown, and the man's pulling two trucks. He's pulling two trucks. Um, and, and, look, I haven't checked the record books to make sure they're entered. I, I think that was – I don't think that was a work. I think he pulled uh, the two trucks, which was just uh, – Absolutely incredible. And a few years back, I was part of a plane pull. And I don't know what the weight difference was or whatever, but I was part of a plane pull, and it was 30 guys, give or take. And it was tough to pull that plane. There's one guy pulling two trucks. It was just, it was tremendous. So everything that Mark Henry brought to the table this week, uh, I I thought was just amazing. And, And he's become really, for me, uh, one of those must-see TV type wrestlers. So there you have it. This week in professional wrestling, uh, Damian Sandow and Mark Henry get our nods of approval. The Ken Reedy Show nod of approval. And you guys, thank you for tuning in today. We only got about two minutes left. Those of you who are on hold, we didn't get you. I apologize. We'll make sure to try and get to everybody uh, next week. But thank you all for supporting us. Uh, just a busy show. Uh, we got to thank Ricky Reyes for just giving us a tremendous interview. Uh, really just the intensity and love of the business. Uh, it was really great stuff. So thank you, Ricky Reyes. Remember, tune in on Tuesday because we got Luke Hawks is going to be joining us for a bit. And, of course, next Sunday... We have the man, Tugboat. Fred Ottman will be joining us for a bit. Uh, so get to talk a little old school uh, with Fred Ottman. So looking forward to that. Remember, May 31st, our cancer benefit, Tap Out Cancer, the Pepper Mill South. Come on down, 20% of food and drink. Goes to the American Cancer Society, watching SmackDown and NWA on fire. So be sure to come down and check that out. Dave. Oh, I yeah. think we can describe the show is, is a roller coaster, but a lot of fun tonight. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And if it was a roller coaster, that guy with the Ziggler shirts would not fit on this ride. <laughs> but it was it was good. It was a fun show. I thoroughly enjoyed it as always every Sunday night. 
Yeah, I got to thank you guys for supporting us. It's amazing because we still got to come back to the guy in the Ziggler shorts. But uh, who knows? You know, tomorrow night, Monday Night Raw, we'll get some clarification on exactly what they're going to do with this world title picture. Where is Ziggler going to be? What condition is he in? Uh, we'll hopefully, we'll get some more clarification tomorrow night on Monday Night Raw. Remember, to, on Tuesday, we'll be back, back in full effect. We'll give you all our raw responses in addition to interviewing Luke Hawks. So hopefully we get a little more information coming out of Monday Night Raw. Um, it's very excited about that. And then next week, in addition to Fred Ottman, we'll be doing our traditional uh, pregame. So we're doing Extreme Rules pregame where we'll do some predictions, recap what the card is going to look like, and uh, talk about the storylines and what we're looking forward to. So. Next week's show should be a treat. Again, cannot thank you guys enough for all the support you keep throwing our way. 9815 is always the number to call. This is the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. For Dave, I'm Ken. Thanks for tuning in. Take care, everybody.